opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. That was uh, Rouge Rouge with Attention off of World Groove. Putumayo presents. And just a little bit, Alan Bernstein is going to call him. We're going to talk about his book, The Mastering the Art of Quitting. So we're just going to take a quick break, play a couple PSAs, and we'll be back. The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the management of KUCI or the UC Board of Regents. For more information about this show, go to KUCI.org. You're so annoying! You're so annoying! Stop copying me! Stop copying me! Mom, tell her to stop copying me! Mom, tell her to stop talking me! Kids will spend 10 minutes copying everything their sibling says. You're such a doofus! You're such a doofus! How about two minutes to brush their teeth? Brushing for two minutes now can save your child from severe tooth pain later. For fun two-minute videos to watch while brushing, visit 2min2x.org. Two minutes, twice a day. I have the time. Mom! Mom! A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ad Council. All right, we are back with my very, very special guest, Alan Bernstein, talking about his book, Mastering the Art of Quitting. Hi, Alan. How are you? I'm doing well. Or should I say Cousin Alan? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I love hearing that. <laughs> Funny. No, you can, we shouldn't care about that. We may be. You never know. Yeah. You never know. Maybe we came from some shtetl in Eastern Europe and, you know. Exactly. Sep- separated by two, uh, you know, cousins. Who knows? You never know. You never know. Well, I heard about you because there was an article in the OC Register that was uh, actually originally, I guess, in the New York Times. Right. About your book. Mastering mm-hmm. Art of Quitting. And uh, the theme of the show, Get the Funk Out, you know, a lot of people, they get in a funk, they, they have this gut instinct, you know what, that relationship is not right, that job's mm-hmm. not right. And I loved uh, the theme of your book, so I wanted to kind of dive in, and how did you come up with the idea to write this? Well, um, both Peg and I, Peg Streep, my co-writer, and I each quit, uh, oddly enough, the same career. We were both well on our way to academia in the middle of our dissertation. Really? So (laughs) I can remember virtually every drop of attention I paid to the decision to quit at that point and to go into a new career because I was quite sure I'd made a mistake in the one I was in and I knew where I wanted to go. Basically, that's the argument in our book, is mm-hmm. that um, if you're going to quit, you can't, you can't quit well just by quitting. You actually have to have in place a plan of where you're trying to go. Yes. Uh, without that, you tend to run into what they call rumination, which is a, a kind of endless loop of thinking and, and um, self-recrimination. And why did I do that? And I sure. shouldn't have. And, and we know, Janine, we know that's not a place anybody wants no. to be. So let me ask you, your dissertation was going to be on what? Oh, my goodness. It was so many years ago, but it was in English literature. It was on D.H. Lawrence and, you know, the psychological novel versus the plotted novel. Do you know, I, haven't, I haven't talked about this in about 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> and you just got this feeling of, what am I doing? This no, is not, I, you know. I, I, 
I, I knew that what I wanted to do with my students had more to do with getting to know them as people rather mm-hmm. than teaching them um, about English metrics. And I also, I, at that point, had been teaching. It was I was at Rutgers. I'd been teaching for two years, and I knew I wasn't a researcher. And it was clear to me that an academic career was based on research. Otherwise, you could be teaching English 101 the rest of your life. And I had started working with a therapist myself and found to be extremely helpful. And I said to myself, this is the career I want. So in spite of the fact I had to go back to school, which I didn't love, <laughs> I, I was willing to do it. That's great. And where did that lead you to? Well, I've been um, a psychotherapist now for many years. I, um, I have a practice in New York City, but I specialize in transition, people who are either leaving relationships or careers and, and don't quite know how to, uh, how to do it, can't quite commit themselves to the process. Mm-hmm. And what I've found over the years is that there's a lot of unconscious baggage that gets in the way of people making choices yes. to change and then actually doing it. Yes. Um, they have uh, there's a number of fallacies we go into in our book. I know you've read it, but mm-hmm. some of your listeners may, may be interested. Uh, one of them is what they call the sunk cost fallacy, which economists work with all the time. In other words, I put so much into it already. How can I sell or, or get rid of this, whatever this is? Yes. And yes. actually, my wife and I have a, we have a, a Honda that's now a few years old. And the light came on, the engine light came on. We went to the dealer, and he said, that'll be about $2,000. <laughs> so we had to decide, you know, that was the perfect example of the book, The Sunk Cost Fallacy. Was it worthwhile to put $2,000 into a car that's a few years old, or should we trade in on a new one? Mm-hmm. Um, we ended up doing it, but we have no idea whether we made the right choice or not. That's, that's one of the fallacies people go in, which is, I put so much into it, um, should I put more? And at that point, their commitment gets, tends to get engaged deeper. In other words, they tend to uh, dig in harder to demonstrate they've made the right choice. And we find that in order to resist that temptation of digging in, yes. you really need some place you want to go. In other words, in that Honda situation, I would have needed have done my research and have another car that I really wanted to replace it with and then know the dealer and know what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. Similarly in career, if you feel that you've made a, a mistake, you tend to get stuck unless you know where you want to go and how you're going to get there. Excuse me, you know what's really the worst is when you have people around you, they could mm-hmm. even be your loved ones saying, what in the world are you thinking or what are you doing? And yeah. then, But you're, you're kind of fighting your own inner battle going, yeah. but I want to do this thing. And people are saying, but you're nuts, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... And you're saying, I want to be me. Exactly. And uh, some people don't know what me is. Um, Yes. Let me recommend a a book for that one. I mean, I guess I'm selling uh, somebody else's book. But I I love the work of um, Mihaly Chechemihai. It's quite a mouthful. That is a mouthful. The name of the book is called Flow, which is pretty easy. Okay. And what it does, he he works with people. He's worked with athletes and others. to figure out what they're like when they've lost all track of clock time. What, what are they like when they're basically in a, in a sense of instinctive movement, uh, instinctive confidence? You know, what, what, what can we describe about that? What interests them? What style are they working in? And most important, what's motivating in them at that moment? So if you're in doubt, for example, about a relationship or career, I would apply that test to yourself. I mean, what am I doing? How close am I to my ideal? Yes. And if you're really far away, maybe you should be rethinking your ideal and 
be writing down the direction that you're considering going. And we find that even the act of writing, even if you don't act on it, but the act of writing itself tends to propel people forward. Yes. People in motion. Sometimes quitting that job that that, uh, just doesn't fulfill you Mm -hmm. leads you to something else. And then you say, well, that that just that's not it now what but then you, yeah. you do figure out eventually what it is that that drives you well i don't think I, when you say figure out i don't i don't advocate just the closed loop of dealing with yourself i think that once you start thinking about another career the the step forward you want to make is talking to people who are doing things like mm-hmm. what you might want to do okay and uh, the more you know about it and the deeper you get to within the chosen career the more likely you are to make a move that makes sense Sure. You know, what you're trying to do is not present yourself in your next career as a job beggar, meaning I I, I need a job. Mm -hmm. You're trying to present yourself as a resource, meaning I've studied your industry, I've studied your store, I've studied your place of business, and I see that I could be useful in the following way and then be able to state that. The closer you come to being a resource to the person you're trying to work for, the more likely it is you're going to be hired and in the terms in which you want to be hired. Right, right. No, that makes a lot of sense. Sure. In your book, you talk about why quitting is an art. Mm-hmm. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, it, it, it's not an instinctive process. The instinctive process is to stay where we are, or we have a number of, um, you know, examples of bad quitting, you know, going up and setting up an argument, slamming the door, <laughs> disappearing, right. you know, all, all kinds of ways that people imagine they're quitting. That is not an art, uh, that's not artful quitting. Artful quitting is um, quite different from that, and it's a slow process of actually discovering where you want to go, writing down why you want to go there and how you're going to go there. It's also developing uh, what we call mental contrasting, which is the ability to predict not only where you want to go and how you want to go there, but what the uh, likely events that may stop you from getting there are going to be. The more likely you are to predict the future, the more likely you are to resist stopping once you hit that first you know, barrier. You know, and it's not, we tend to be, there's one of the biases we've noted, it's been noted in a lot of research is what they call the optimistic bias, where people tend to uh, vastly overestimate their potential uh, skill. Um, They did a a, a study about 15 years ago with the college board uh, students taking the SATs, and fully 25% of the students that they questioned put themselves in the top 1% social skills that's 25 percent put themselves in the top one percent where is the where is the average in this yes, country where exactly. is the median <laughs> so people tend to be very over optimistic and you know while we're very much in favor of optimism once you've decided in business what they say is you want a pessimist to select the business and an optimist then to do the groundwork at that point once you've made the selection because the, the pessimist will will look at the potential failures. Yes, that makes whereas, a lot of sense. Whereas the optimist is going to resist all uh, attempts to slow him down. He's going to be moving ahead as quickly as he can with as much energy as he can. You think there are some people that are just better at quitting than others? I mean, that's hard to say. I, I, <laughs> I, would, I would like to think that anybody who reads that book is going to be better at, at quitting, quitting than they were before they read our book. Um, I mean, I think it is. I think it is definitely a skill set, mm-hmm. and I think that um, we have you now, aside from 
the research. The book is very heavy on research uh, because a lot of the things that we're uh, saying to people are what, what we call counterintuitive. I mean, people would like to imagine that, you know, one day they'll just up and quit and find something better. It's not that but easy. It's not. It, it is definitely, it's no. definitely something to be mastered. No, no. I mean, I feel, uh, for instance, I'm constantly evolving in, in different ways. I used to be in the training and development field years ago. Really? Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I have a doctorate in media and technology. And, wow. And I just, you know, I said to myself, I'm nearly not fulfilled in doing training and development. Mm-hmm. And, but you have to kind of be in tune to, well, you know, are you unhappy? Are you happy? Mm-hmm. Is it? I mean, so how did you make that decision? I was on a project at, uh-huh. at Hewlett Packard, and right. I was designing uh, web-based training. Right. And I asked people around me, "Well, would you like to do the voiceover and the on-camera talent part of mm-hmm. it? Because we need an on-camera narrator." And everybody looked at me like deer in the headlights. Mm. And and I said, "Okay, well, I guess I'll do it." And I had done a few projects mm-hmm. here and there in graduate school and then um, mm-hmm. undergrad. So I offered to do it, and I had also met voiceover artists, and I had been in a recording studio, and it was something that intrigued me. Mm-hmm. And so um, I did the project, but then I started taking classes because wow. I realized it was a whole, there's a whole method to that yes. career. It's not just you to get in there and go, okay, you know, mm-hmm. do it. And uh, I just became more and more intrigued with uh, voiceover work and mm-hmm. that, those kind of things. So, well, but, but see, what, I mean, you did exactly what we're advocating, which is you didn't just leave your career. You investigated a new career. Mm-hmm. You, um, you got the information. You tried it out. And um, you committed yourself to a, a procedure in which to get there. Should, should I be calling you Dr. Burns? <laughs> it's funny. My, I have kids, and they're like, mm-hmm. well, we can call you Dr. Mommy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny. My wife worked for HP doing their training. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. She, yeah. she, she didn't love it either. No. Well, it's, <laughs> it's interesting. I was just doing documentation, then it turned into interactive stuff. And I, mm-hmm. I call my, my doctorate uh, mm-hmm. mental boot camp because uh-huh. I... I really didn't plan on getting a doctorate. My mm-hmm. dad had kind of encouraged me, and I was at a crossroads in my mm-hmm. life, and I said, you know, I think I need something to open direction for me, and mm-hmm. um, it was a good time to do it. And, you know, but also there are pressures. People are saying, well, aren't you going to use your Ph.D. to mm-hmm. do such and such? You know what? I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just kind of kind of follow my yeah, own no, path. I'm, I'm, I did exactly what you did. I mean, yeah. I, I think of English literature now as something I enjoy, but not anything professional. I, right. I totally committed myself to an alternative version of myself, just like you. Yes. We must be cousins. I'm uh, we probably that. We must be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, too, is right. that um, as a mom, yep. I've taken time off to take care of my kids and sure. it's really good as a mm-hmm. as a mom to have an outside interest there are times when i went and i did little projects here and there mm-hmm. and it helped keep me balanced and mm-hmm. kind of sane because it's very monotonous mm-hmm. you know? sure so um anyway that's my little bit of advice tell me about resetting your inner compass yeah well, basically, what what we're talking about with people when we when we talk about that is acknowledging how many um, unconscious biases they have against quitting. You know, we talked about one of them, uh, which is the the sunk cost fallacy, but but there's a number of of other things which are basically stopping you. But I w- I would boil it down to one very very important emotional nugget, which is that people feel ashamed and humiliated about having made a mistake in their lives at right. the first go around, and what they have to do is acknowledge the sadness of that. And before people get to the sadness of that, they tend to 
you know, stop themselves. They, they, they blame their situation or they get angry at their situation. They commit themselves much more strongly. But in truth, in order to go forward, uh, you have to get beyond that to the sadness and the loss and the sense of exposure mm-hmm. of having made a mistake. And only then can you truly commit yourself to a, a new path. And that, that's what we call resetting the, the compass. And then, then you're charting your way forward, and you're trying to figure out what the future is, and you're not locked into that dreadful, um, what we call rumination, that, that dreadful box of, of blame and sadness and, and stuckness. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the worst. And, you know, because if you can break out of that, if you can think, be thinking in terms of, of resetting your compass and going forward, then, then you have some freedom to think creatively. Otherwise, you're just operating with a sense of, of loss and, and error and all the, all the kind of self-blame that goes with that. Right. And people get stuck thinking that, you know, they're, I mean, I have, I'm, because I'm in New York, I tend to work with um, people in some high-end professions, lawyers and people in, in financial service who are worried about being able to make as much money if they go into a new career as they made, even though they're miserable. Mm-hmm. And in truth, I mean, if you start to think creatively about reusing your skills instead of saying, I'm, I'm a broken lawyer, instead if you say, I'm really terrific at negotiating contracts and seeing opportunities. That makes sense. You're, you're changing the whole base of the discussion. You know, you're operating in in a new direction rather than a kind of failed past. You know, it's I look at it as no different than a bad relationship. You know, mm-hmm. you can be stuck in this bad relationship mm-hmm. thinking, when am I got to get out of this? Yeah. I got to get out of this. Yeah. And uh, you get out of it, and you, you're just so wounded, and yeah. it takes you time. Yeah. And But you're also looking ahead. What am I looking for in the next relationship? How am I going to get there? What What are the... You know, what are the basics of moving forward? We have a, a section we call goal mapping, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which we help people start negotiating the terrain between where they are now and where they want to get to. Yes. I'm smiling because I'm hearing all kinds of New York City noises that I grew up listening to <laughs> as a kid. I lived on East 86, and I'm like, I can hear cabs and, you know. Can you hear the firemen. sirens? I hear can everything. You hear, <laughs> can you hear the snow plow cleaning off the snow? Oh my gosh. You probably don't hear that. <laughs> no, that I don't hear. Nor yeah. do I miss that. <laughs> today, today is their, their one day of respite here in New York. It's about 45, 50 degrees, and oh. we've had just terrible Bomby. snow. Oh, I know. So they're, everybody's out full scale trying to get the snow cleared up. Oh, my gosh. It's been a tough, tough one. Yeah. Well, is there any advice on how to quit well? I know you have a whole chapter devoted mm-hmm. to it. but Well, uh, what, what we try and suggest to people is that they're aware of the unconscious biases. We give you a hand with that. We mm-hmm. have a couple of chapters, and then we have some um, quizzes, of course, like, like any book. Where are you on the spectrum of, of quitting styles? You know, are you potentially a person who sees the, uh, the opportunity going forward. It's not the glass half full, half empty question, more about, you know, how can you activate the part of yourself that's most likely to uh, be successful going forward. And, you know, we encourage, um, you know, how to, how to negotiate the roadmap of, of, of moving forward. And I love this in your book. You have your quitting aptitude mm-hmm. exercise intended to increase your awareness of how you approach the task of right. managing your emotions. That's that's uh, a very powerful activity. It is. It is. It is. And we, you know, we've talked about um, 
resetting the compass from a number of different levels. With you know the cognitive level, where you make an assessment of your career and where you go, where you want to go, and then there's the affective level, which we talked about. You know, allowing yourself to go through blame and sadness, and then finally, you know, reactivating yourself, and then. We talk about uh, motivational change, attaching a lot of enthusiasm to a new career. And finally, uh, the commitment phase where you actually select the career you want and optimistically move towards it. Mm-hmm. There should be more opportunities for people to try out careers they could, you know, I, they could, like, I dream of, you know? Couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, I, when I, I was an academic because I liked reading, and I imagined teaching English literature was the same as enjoying reading English literature. There's, there's no connection between the two. Exactly. Oh, there's a little bit, but not much. <laughs> <laughs> so what's in store for you? Do you uh, lecture a lot around the city? I, um, well, I've been, the last few weeks I've been on NPR. Uh, are they a competitor of yours? No. Na- national, okay. Yeah. I've been on various national public radio um, shows. They're, they tend to be longer. They're usually about an hour. Mm-hmm. We were in Dallas, and I was in Florida, and we're going to be in Connecticut and Wisconsin. So a lot of those, some television stuff, I mean, promoting the book. But I, you know, of course, have my practice. That's right. The, that's Keeps part you really of busy. My, my work. Yes, that's fantastic. Could you give everybody your website? Sure. Uh, www.loveworkbalance.com. So it's L-O-V-E, workbalance.com, and you can read about my work there and a little more about the book and, of course, how to order it. That sounds great. Great. I want to thank you so much for calling into the show, and it was a pleasure talking with you. You too, Cousin Janine. All right. Take care. (laughs) Hope to meet you sometime. Okay. That was Alan Bernstein calling in from New York, um, talking about his book, Mastering the Art of Quitting, Why It Matters in Life, Love, and Work. I'll be back next week with more Get the Funk Out. And again, if you want to find out about being a guest, send an email to Janine, that's J-A-N-E-A-N-E at KUCI.org. And if you've missed any part of this conversation with Alan Bernstein, it'll be up on my blog getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org within the hour. Have a great Monday, everybody, and I'll be back next week. Up next, Sheldon Abbott with Cure for the Blues. When you are done today Jemo watan tuje Dingma wa dingma wa dingma wa dingma wa Mimi demen